Welcome to Between the Waves, the podcast all about how to create sustainable mental health to help you find a little bit of space between your waves. Hi everyone, it's Hannah here. Today I'm joined by Alice Fiorica. Alice is an accredited psychologist and CBT psychotherapist with over 15 years experience. She's empathic, compassionate and totally non-judgmental. Alice firmly believes in the power of a good therapeutic relationship and currently works exclusive online, which is perfectly suited to the chaos of modern life. Alice is specialised in anxiety disorders, stress management and perfectionism, as well as in depression and bipolar affective disorder. Hi Alice, how are you? Hello, I'm okay, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today. No problem, it's good to be here. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. I think Therapy is one of those things that is still quite taboo and is still really hard to talk about for some people. And I know from personal experience that it's really hard to find a therapist that you gel with. And until you do, until you make that connection, you, you, just sort of, you don't make the progress that you expect to in, in therapy. So I'm really excited to hear your story and, and what you bring to a therapeutic relationship. Good, good. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you. So, so first off, I'm, I'm really keen to understand, you know, how did your own journey impact your career choice? Why, why did you become a psychologist? Well, I became a psychologist because um, I wanted to understand humans, you know, and uh, why we behave the way we do and why we think the way we think and why we feel the way we feel. And uh, also I found that growing up, you know, as a young adult or teenager, that I was much more interested in discovering what determine people's perception and opinion of things while, you know, rather than, I don't know, celebrity, fashion, sport, or the things that people are interested at 16 um, or 18. Um, so I, I noticed that I was observing the group dynamics in the in the group in a school in the group friend of friends and um and also was baffled by you know love and the dynamics around that around that age and at the at the time was um you know uh, my favorite subject was philosophy you know i thought that was all about philosophy but there wasn't really any psychology at school um until the last year of high school where we like I don't know probably the last two weeks of school <laughs> we did like an introduction to psychology and I said oh that sounds interesting so that's what what I studied more because I wanted to understand human behavior and human emotion rather than to be actually practice as a psychologist um, in fact during university I was a bit disarted by the main, um, the main models that were studied in Italy because they were all giving a nice explanation of why people become what they are, you know, with the relationship with the parents and the trauma and whatever, right? But they didn't explain how to reduce the suffering or how to change that. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was... Um, and I believe that understanding why um, you feel how you feel and... Um, or you think how you think or why you are who you are is not enough to make a change right to to what you want to be right so uh, and often um, that I I noticed later on when I started practicing a lot people who had that kind of mindset use oh because this happened to me that's it that's what I am 
right? Yeah. So, so actually that was kind of counterproductive, you know, so that was giving an excuse yeah. for how they were feeling or thinking or behaving, which is great. So obviously our history determines, you know, our interpretation of things and how we feel and behave. But yeah, so what's the next step? So am I, um, um, I going to be the same all my life and I'm going to suffer like this all my life because when I was five, something happened, right? Yeah. So, so I wanted something that focused more on, okay, so this episode, now what, <laughs> right? <laughs> How do I change that? Um, so, so then, uh, so that's when I started studying cognitive behavioral therapy and its latest development, acceptance and commitment therapy. And these are type of therapy that are very present and future focused form of therapy. So while they recognize the importance of developmental issues and events, the focus is on what can I change now in terms of thoughts and behaviors, yeah. right? So that I create the future I want, right? So I'm not going to be um, condemned, if that's a word. Condem- is that a word? Condemned? Condemned. 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 Thank you. Uh, condemn of a life of suffering because something that happened in the past. So what do I do about it? Right? Yeah. Um, so, and, and so, so that's where I kind of fell in love with psychology again, because I, I see I could make a difference rather than just making people understand and find yeah. a justification. Right. Oh. So, yeah. So that's where I'm at. So that's what I do. I do cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy, which um, um, the, um, the theory behind is that um, in, our, in any given situation, our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensation and actions are all interlinked with each other and influence each other. So while I don't have much control over my physical symptoms, for example, I've got some actually, but not so much, or over my emotions, again, some control, but not so much, I definitely have control over my behavior. And there are techniques to either change or distance myself from unhelpful thoughts. And the point is that how I interpret a situation determines how I feel about that situation that determines what I do in that situation, right? So if I can change the way I think about that situation, which doesn't mean um, positive thinking, but mm. just challenging a thought that might be unhelpful and might not even be true, yeah. right? But we believe that anyway. Let's say the thought is I'm a failure or I'm not good enough or you know, we want to challenge that. Um, so by changing the way I think about a situation then that changed the way I feel about that situation that changed what I do in that situation right that changed the outcome of that situation right so then situation after situation I can change my life for the better yeah and so that's going to be able to tell why acceptance and commitment therapy is a development of that which uses mindfulness to create a different relationship with my thoughts and feelings um so rather than reacting automatically on autopilot to them i kind of become an external external observer and i choose my response rather than react a response that is in line with my values and the person i want to be in life so there's a lot of work in identifying what my values are and what do i want 
from life and why am I, I'm on this planet and what would make my life a fulfilling life to have lived when I'm old. Yeah, wow. I mean, that sounds incredible. I know that in my own journey, I've gone from hating my anxiety and feeling really angry about it and just like, oh, it's always going to be there. I can't do anything about it. And it's horrible. I hate it. This isn't the person I want to be. To trying to change that mindset into actually, do you know what? Yeah, it is always going to be there, but I can manage it better. And actually viewing my anxiety as a bit of a superpower, you know, it's, it's how I tune in with what's going on inside me. And, you know, it's it's my brain's way of going, do you know what? You need to take a break or maybe that's not the right path for you, you know? Exactly. And, uh, um, you know, and all emotions, you know, are there for a reason, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and anxiety usually, well, of course it protects you, um, uh, but also it points to what is important for you because yeah. if you didn't care, you wouldn't be anxious about it. Right. Yeah. So anxiety points to the value, you know, but uh, all emotion actually point to the value. If I'm sad about something again, it's, it's because it's important to me. So what's the value behind it? right so and what can I do to leave that value yeah absolutely and that's it isn't it it's that that step of now I understand what's important how can I change my life so that I'm achieving that rather than all the other stuff that clearly isn't important because I'm not that bothered about it you know and, and it's making that that transition of the life I'm leading that's making me anxious because it's not quite right to the life that I'm leading that's helping my anxiety because it's more of the right things. And it's that, that step, I think that finding a good therapist is really important for, because actually it can involve quite a lot of tough conversations and a, and a lot of kind of big decisions around, you know, even down to sort of career choices, you know, actually I'm not in the right, job I'm not in the right field what do I do how do I make that switch you know and you need someone there in your corner helping you kind of find your way through those decisions because for me certainly I I totally get decision fatigue and and I just you know I know it's not right but I cannot decide what is the next right thing to do because it's too much okay okay so get a bit of overwhelm feeling yeah isn't it? yeah not knowing exactly where you're going so the the initial work to find out where it is that you want to go that would be very helpful um, yeah for absolutely you. just one note there you know anxiety is not our enemy yeah you know uh we don't want to get rid of it <laughs> um so especially like you know even research have shown you know that a little anxiety improved performance so yeah. if you think about you know an exam an interview you know a little anxiety keep you on your toes keep you sharp keep you um uh, aware you know that's why yeah. um I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's protective is a protective emotion because if you were like in a jungle you know, for example, that anxiety makes you scan a little bit for danger. So if a tiger jump out, you, you spot it yeah. earlier, you're, you're better prepared, right? So a little anxiety improves performance, what too much anxiety impairs it, mm. okay? So if I'm so scared of the tiger, I don't even go to the jungle, you know, and yeah. I don't get food, right? <laughs> you know, and eventually perish, 
Right? Yeah. So, so we, want, we want a little bit of anxiety, especially because that anxiety is telling you you're doing something important and that you're moving towards something is important to you. And it means that you're getting out of your comfort zone. So if you think, you know, the comfort zone, it's, well, you're comfortable. There's no anxiety there, right? But then you can live all of your life going round and round in a circle in your comfort zone. Right? Yeah. not going anywhere as soon as you move towards something that is important to you okay just because you need to move towards it it means it's not in your comfort zone yeah so going that direction you need to step out of your comfort zone and that will give you anxiety so the key here is to keep the anxiety level a little bit of anxiety so that so that improve my performance not so much that I freeze and impair my performance. So that tiny little step by tiny little step, you know, I've got the next 50 years, I'll get where I want to (laughs) go. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess this brings us neatly onto my next question, which is how might stress and anxiety present itself in people? Are you able to kind of give us an overview of that? Yeah, okay. Well, stress and anxiety can present in in, in very different ways in people it goes from mild irritability to psychotic breakdowns right depending on the person right so but for the majority of people it's difficult sleeping you know irritability this feeling of being overwhelmed or out of control you know so maybe some palpitations some people have panic attacks um and very common is avoidance of situations that generates anxiety Right. And then with, with stress in particular, there's, you know, this feeling of overwhelm and there's a lot of self-criticism as well for, fe- for feeling overwhelmed as well. And then comes the irritability. Um, yeah. But I think anxiety, the, the most, um, um, the biggest one is avoidance because yeah. I, don't, I don't like the feeling of anxiety. I don't want to feel the anxiety. So, <laughs> so I avoid the situation that give me that anxiety but the 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 trickier is that i am the more i avoid something the more of a big deal it becomes yeah totally so 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 either i never approach that thing and you know if you know if you have a fear of snakes that's fine it's not you need you don't need to approach snakes right (laughs) (laughs) yeah but if you are anxious in social situations for example and you avoid social situations you know you either spend your life alone yeah right? or you kind of need to overcome and approach those situations that you avoid as i said little by little outside of the comfort zone yeah absolutely and and certainly you know my experience of that i like avoidance is way up there on the list of things that i do and you know, it gets to the point occasionally when my anxiety is really bad, where I can't leave the house. You know, the thought of stepping outside my front door is like, you might as well be asking me to step into an active volcano. I just, I I cannot do it. And I totally, you know, it takes me a little while sometimes to go, oh, that's where I am. Right. I'm avoiding it. Right. What can I do? Okay. I'm actually going to go and stick my head out of a window then I'm going to go and step outside the back door then you know and and just kind of take those little steps as soon as I realize 
you know, I recognize now that if I give into it, which is so easy to do, isn't it? Because it is the easy option. If I give into it, you know, I'll never do anything. Exactly, exactly. It's staying in that comfort zone, right? Yeah. And I never do anything. And also, as I said, the more I avoid something, the more of a big deal it becomes and it also spread, yes. <laughs> right? So, so maybe initially you avoid uh, crowds, you know, yeah. and uh, open spaces with a lot of people uh, or cl- enclosed spaces with a lot of people. And then, and then before you know it, as you said, you, you don't get out of your front door. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so so it get worse over time. If it doesn't get better, it get worse. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it can happen quite quickly in that spiral. Like as soon as I give in to, oh, it's okay. I don't need to do that right now. I, I can, you know, I cannot do that, and it will be fine. As soon as I give in to that, it's like everything else that I've worked on goes. Oh, okay. We don't need to do any of it. Great. <laughs> we'll just not. We'll not go anywhere and see anybody. And it's yeah, like exactly. then each time building it back up again and, yeah. you know, taking those steps. Because actually for me, like my comfort zone is is not where I want to be. And it makes me really cross. I get that real anger about, oh, my God, I'm stuck here and it's rubbish and I hate it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And And that, you know. I think the term comfort zone is really, it's quite disarming, isn't it? Because you think, oh, actually, this is this nice place where we're all comfortable and it's fine. And actually, it's not always you know it can be a really frustrating place to be stuck yes exactly and there's no growth in the comfort zone isn't it it's just staying still yeah absolutely Um, but taking those steps can be really hard if you don't have the support around you yes like either you know good good support network locally or a good therapist to help you take those steps in a way that doesn't push you too far too quickly you know and then sets you back again yeah yeah and that's why i believe that you know everybody you know should go to therapy you know yeah. not because people are sick or anything but you know just because it's difficult it's difficult getting out of your comfort zone for everybody including therapists right and it doesn't have to be you know an anxiety disorder but having that extra end that extra space where you can kind of reflect on what's stopping you right what why is the anxiety so high what how can i reframe that and how can i take micro steps towards that direction and also is that even the direction i want to go into because if it's not i'm going the other direction then right yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so i'm really keen to know now like i always have this horrible tendency to put my therapists on a pedestal and and obviously assume that they know all of the answers for everything but but with all of your experience you know how do you manage stress in your life right so um for me um well some a few years ago i had a kind of realiza- realization i was qualifying as a cognitive behavioral psychotherapist and the training is really really hard right and i was at the point that i was almost at a nervous breakdown because you know um it was a um, lecture and essays and at the same time you're seeing clients and then you are recording the clients and then somebody is listening to them and judging you on that that sounds awful (laughs) yes absolutely it was way too much and all of that is very done very fast also you know it's um it's 
one after the other after the other and if you are trying to catch up then become two or three at the same time and you know i was on the verge of a nervous breakdown yeah, I can imagine. so and then it hit me right you know like you've got you know how to manage stress right you're just not doing it yeah so it's you've got the knowledge or how to do it and you know as we said the difference between theory and practice right so you know how to do it and you tell people how to do it so why you don't do it yeah I so I kind of it was like a light bulb and it was so simple and I was like uh yes okay <laughs> yeah maybe I, I should right so so what I did is you know um well first of all for me what made the the biggest difference was um, mindfulness right and I, for, for people who don't know what mindfulness is, is very similar to meditation, um, like externally, in the sense that you, you sit, you don't need to be cross-legged in the lotus pose, you can sit on the sofa, um, and you, you, you choose the focus of attention, which is often the breath, and that's where you keep your attention, right? It's very similar with med- to meditation, but the difference is that meditation, the aim of meditation is to get in contact with an higher power or an higher self or God for, who believes, right? While the aim of mindfulness is just to be present, Okay, to be present in the here and now, that because research has shown that we spend um, up to 80% of our day, every day in what it's called autopilot. So that's when we do something, but our mind is somewhere else, right? So, So I might be out with my friends, but I'm thinking about work, right? And so I'm not getting the benefits of the stress release that being out with my friends will give me because I'm still out of work, right? Or I'm finally out with the husband, right? And I mean, they are worried about the kid at home with the babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you're not where, where you, your mind is not with you, right? So the, what mindfulness does is train the mind to be with you most of the time so to be in the here and now right because when we are anxious our mind goes into the future like what if this happened and what if that happened and what do i do with this and what do i do with that right when we are depressed our mind tends to go into the past so why did i do that and why did i say that you see this always happened to me and ruminating all the failures of my My life. life right okay but in the present, so in the here and now, you know, you're talking to me, I'm talking to you, right? There's no need to be anxious. There's no need to be depressed, right? Yeah. And pre- now, moment by moment by moment, now by now by now by now, the majority of the time, there's no need to be anxious. There's no need to be depressed, Right. Then what mindfulness does is train the mind, yeah, to be focused in the present, which doesn't mean never think about the future, but it's a conscious choice Yeah. that if I need to plan a holiday, of course, I want to think about the future. How am I getting there? Where am I going to sleep? And all of that, right? If I'm planning, I'm doing, I don't know, a three-month business planning for my business, if I, if I have a business, 
I want to know what I'm going to do for the next three months. But that's a conscious choice to think about the future. It's not that I am trying to work and my mind is worrying about the meeting with my boss in an hour. Yeah. Can you see the difference? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that for me is what made most of the difference, right? And then there are obviously other things that help with stress and and, and good uh, something that is good and easy to um, kind of implement is this idea of having a balance of activities during the day. Okay. Right? So stress is always given by, you know, I'm doing too much, right? Or I believe the demands are too much right? My yeah. perceived demands are too much and my perceived resources are too little, right? So what we want to do is to have a balance of activities where, you know, I, I do, yes, the things I have to do, okay? But I also find, make the time. Nobody has the time. We need to make the time to do the things I like doing, I enjoy mm. doing, right? And things that give me a sense of connection with others. So the activity that are more, um, um, the release stress the most are, you know, social interaction, right? Yeah. Exercise, exercise. And of course, you know, kind of re- mindfulness, uh, um, relaxation, call it, meditation, call it whatever you like. And, um, and social support, yeah definitely that's different from social interaction because it's not going out for dinner and having a laugh it's actually people that you can talk to about how you feel what's happening for you and that's why again i I believe everybody should have a therapist because it's different than a friend right yeah no um so 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 kind of it's like you've got lots of demands you've got work you've got family finance all of this adding stress to the pile right so you need a way to drain that um like if you had the bucket and all of that was water yeah. you need a way to drain water out right so exercise is really good first of all because we stress we build up tension in the muscles so by exercising i actually physically use that tension in the muscles right and um, and also exercise uh, exercising the body releases endorphins, which is the feel good hormones. Yeah. So so exercise is very good, right? And then again, activity give me a sense of connection with others. So social, going out for dinner, going out for drinks, <coughs> going for coffee with a friend, right? Me time, me time. So mindfulness, um, but even having a hot bath. You know, but yeah. just start protected time for me, right? And um, and and social support. So throughout your week, you want to have a balance of all of this, which doesn't mean okay. Now I need to exercise every day, right? It's okay. So I might exercise two, three times a week, and then um, two days I see friends. You know. I might do a mindfulness exercise every morning or every evening or every other morning. But you want to have a balance. You cannot just be work, 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 work home, work home, work home, work home, work home, and nothing else in your life. You get overwhelmed straight away. Yeah, absolutely. So I knew that, but I wasn't doing that. I was doing work, 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 work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then, then I, when kind of it hit me, I said, okay, so now I'm going to do my, my mindfulness exercise. 
in the morning and I'm trying to, to plan, to plan me time. Yeah. Right? And that's it, isn't it? You do have to plan it. You have to make a conscious, yeah. a conscious decision. Right. Today yeah. I'm having half an hour to myself. And in that half an hour, I'm going to, you know, do, do this bunch of stuff, you know, that's, that's not work and it's not pleasing other people. It's just exactly. stuff that makes me feel better. Exactly. It's just pleasurable activity, things you do for the pleasure of it. And it can be having a face mask yeah. you know, and relaxing on the sofa. Or it can be painting or it can be whatever it's pleasurable for you, whatever, replenish your energies. That's yeah, definitely. We can't, we, we can't run on empty. We need things that replenish our energy. And so that's me time is not, being lazy and it's not wasted time it's my time to recharge you got your your, your phone you need to plug it in and recharge it every day yeah. and that's the same for people yeah absolutely and I think we all go through these cycles don't we where we get caught up in the busyness of work and we get we stretch ourselves really thin to try and achieve what we want to achieve at work and then go home and do all the stuff you know I've got two small kids and you know do all the kids stuff and and get them into bed and stuff and at the end of the day you just kind of collapse in a heap and like I'm gonna go sleep now and then you get up and do it all again and you get into that loop it's really easy to forget to plan yourself some time to recover isn't it exactly and you feel like an hamster on a wheel isn't it yeah all the time you know and just collapse and rest only when you're sleeping but that's not life is it no absolutely and I I often sort of I find myself getting frustrated with myself because like I know what makes me feel better you know I know I need to take time out and I know that you know I you know for me having that five minutes of just calm where I'm I'm not trying to think about anything else I'm not trying to rush anywhere and you know I've got the activities that help me like I know all of this stuff it's just that sometimes I need someone else to remind me that I have to do them, you know, and that for me is, you know, that's, that's why I, I really value having that therapeutic relationship for someone to go, Hannah, whoa, you know, you've just launched at me with this massive list of stuff that you're doing and not one of those things is for you, Exactly. you know, and to give us that kind of gentle encouragement to focus our energies in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people who tend to run, 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 you know, Sometimes you you even need to plan do nothing time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they're, they're so used to running all the time. They cannot sit still on the sofa for 10 minutes, right? So, so that's also where mindfulness helps because, you know, you're sitting. Yeah, absolutely. Technically, you're sitting doing nothing for 10 minutes, isn't it? <laughs> I know when I've got out of control, when I sit down to watch a TV program in an, in an evening, and I can't stop just getting up to check this or looking at something on my phone or checking my emails. And I'm like, I'm not even watching the program, you know, geez, Hannah, you need to just stop. That's when it normally hits me that I've, I've got kind of out of balance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Mm -hmm. as a therapist, then what do you want people to know about seeking help? Uh, Well, first of all, that, uh, that, that, you know, people shouldn't be ashamed of it. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of, you know, stigma and taboo and, and um, you know, and as we were saying before, you know, we want the information to be, to be out there. We want people to, to know about these things because as we, with the example we were doing before, um, if people didn't know what healthy eating was, you know, everybody would 
eat very unhealthy all the time, right? Yeah. Or junk food and have a heart attack at 40, right? But because there is the knowledge about what healthy eating is or healthy lifestyle is, then, you know, people know what to do, you know, then it's their choice if they're doing it or not, but at yeah. least they know, right? And the same is for mental health or I prefer to call it emotional health, right? If I don't know how my emotion works, if I don't know how my thoughts influence the way I feel and influence what I do and how I get caught in this vicious cycle, even without realizing it, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm a victim of it. I can't do anything because I don't know. I don't see them, right? So a therapist is somebody who spent all their life, you know, studying these things, right? And, and they can help you. First of all, they, you know, they can give you some knowledge, but and also they can help you to see it in action in your life. So then that you you become able to see it in action in your life yourself. Yeah. That's the kind of the point, right? It's not that you're gonna stay in therapy with me forever. It's just that you learn to do it yourself, right? And then of course you can have catch up every now and then if you need to. But and and also the point is that from inside your head, let's say, from your perspective and your knowledge, you might not see what somebody has from their perspective and their knowledge. See? Yeah. Right? So the therapist is really just that mirror, right? That see tells you, well, you see, you haven't seen that, right? And you say, oh, come on, there's that. Okay, you realize there is also that. Right? There is a very nice um, metaphor uh, in the um, ACT community, which is the metaphor of the two mountains. Oh, okay. Right? So it's not that therapists are perfect or don't have problems, you know, or they are some enlightened beings. <laughs> <laughs> therapists are climbing their own mountain as well as everybody else in the world is climbing their own mountain. But the point is that from my side of the mountain, right, I can see up to your mountain, you know, what's coming up, things that from your perspective, you know, like that, on a yeah. mountain, you're <laughs> out, you might not see, right? And you technically could see from, for me. And that, so you can do that for, with your friends. But the difference with the friends is that then the pet therapist got also, you know, 20 years of knowledge on what to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And what I found often with friends is that, you know, you start saying, oh, you know, I feel like this because this happened. And they go, oh, yeah, you know what? That happened to me as well. And they start talking about themselves. And you're like, okay, fine. Forget it. <laughs> right? While the therapy, it's a dedicated space for, for you, right? For yeah. you to explore your life, to look to you to make sense of what's happening to you. And what the therapist does is helping you to see, okay, have you noticed that, you know, have you considered that? And ha- okay, so that's that thought I'm not good enough. Okay, can, can we discuss about that? Can you give me some evidence that that thought is true? For example, having any evidence that that thought is not, you know, for example, or how is that, how much is that thought helping you actually, if you believe that thought, how is much is helping you in this situation, right? What would be a most helpful thought? To help. So that's why mindfulness is important because, because thoughts are in our head, we take them for truth. We don't question them, right? 
but thoughts are not thought, um, are not facts. They're just yeah. they are opinions, right? So I can always choose what thoughts I wanna follow, you know, and I wanna follow the thoughts that help me the most. Okay, so you can kind of challenge that thought once or twice, you know, to see if it's even true, right? And and then true or not, actually, is that thought helping me in being the person I want to be in life or, or um, reaching what I want to reach in life as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if the thought is, oh, the, this is going to be a disaster, whatever it is that you want to do in life, obviously, if I believe that thought, you know, I'm going to act accordingly to the fact that whatever it is I'm doing is going to fail. And to be honest, if I actually act thinking this thing is going to fail, there's a likelihood that that thing is going to fail because it's yeah. like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? So if I challenge that thought, this thing is going to fail, well, actually, what evidence have you got that it's going to fail? You know, is there any other way of looking at the situation, right? And also, is that how is that following that thought helping you, right? So what would be a more selfful thought to kind of um, decide that you want to um, base on this situation. Okay, okay, so it might be difficult, but there, there are good chances of success. Okay, so that new thought changed completely my behavior in that situation, right? And so that changed the outcome of the situation as well. And I'm totally sat here nodding along to everything you say because <laughs> it just makes so much sense. It's yeah. just, it's, it's for me, and that is that is absolutely why I go to therapy is that kind of that reflection that gentle challenge of actually you know you're you're utterly convinced of this particular thought but I can't see any evidence for that where's the evidence you know what are you basing that on and that ability then for me to be able to go yeah actually there isn't any evidence so maybe that's not true and this is perhaps a more helpful way of thinking about it and that's something that I've find really difficult to do without the aid of a therapist because I get stuck in my head the thoughts are all crowding in and actually I can't see my way through them you know I'm just like oh I've got all these thoughts oh god they must all be true and it's all terrible and it's all gonna go horribly wrong yeah because you're seeing it from your mountain yes right? exactly yeah you need that external perspective so my final question is one that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast do you have a change one thing for us please okay well if you had to change one thing I would say you know um start doing mindfulness and understand what mindfulness is because it's really what makes all the difference about becoming aware in your life, you know, and not because it creates that different relationship with thoughts where I don't react automatically to the thoughts. I notice the thoughts and I question it and I choose if I want to listen to it or not. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. And, and I get yourself a therapist. (laughs) <laughs> you know, acceptance and commitment therapist, a CBT therapist, you know. Yeah, get into mindfulness. Keep that balance of activities is for stress and anxiety. And, you know, if you can, you, you know, get yourself a therapist. They're not witches, you know, they're not <laughs> monsters. <laughs> we can't read your mind. But we can help you to identify what your mind is doing 
you know, because the mind, it generates thoughts 24-7, millions of thoughts. The most majority of it is rubbish, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the one you choose to listen to determines everything in your life. Oh, that's so helpful. Thank you so much, Alice. It's been really great to talk to you today. Okay, lovely to talk to you. Oh, and if you want to follow Crossroads Psychology on Instagram, Facebook, do please i'll be there and uh, i regularly um uh, post resources blog posts videos just yeah oh brilliant alice yeah. thank you i'll put those links in the show notes so people can come directly to you lovely thank you anna thank you so much for listening today please remember to rate review and subscribe to the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it's ready and to help other people find us see you next time